0: Our world is in desperate need of peace. When I make a statement like that instantly, our minds think about perhaps the conflict in Israel or the war in Ukraine. We think about Nations rising up against nations, and we think our world is in desperate need of peace, and it is. But I'm not just talking about a need for peace when it comes to worldwide conflict, we need peace in our homes. Peace in our marriages, peace in our relationships with our children and grandchildren. We need peace in our communities. I'm guessing there's a need for peace in your workplace. We need peace even in our churches. And the Bible tells us that those who should be leading the charge for peace are those that name the name of Christ. We're going to continue our study through the Beatitudes this morning. We're gonna look at Beatitude number seven in Matthew chapter five, verse nine. Beatitude number seven. So turn there with me. Matthew chapter five, verse nine. I wanna see, I want you to see this call from Jesus for us to lead out when it comes to peace. Matthew chapter five, verse nine. When you found your place this morning, I wanna ask you if you are physically able to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. I'm grateful for the Word of God. I read this morning my time alone with God in 2 Peter 1, that the Bible is the product of men being carried along by the Holy Spirit, writing down the very words of God. I'm grateful that our Bible is truth with no mixture of error. And Look with me in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 9, this is the next to the last beatitude in this section. Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we study your word together, as a faith family, we might experience the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit. That you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we would see the truth of the Scripture and have the inclination, the desire to respond to those truths. I pray that you'd work in our midst, touch our hearts, change our lives for the glory of your great name. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I love the Sermon on the Mount found in chapters 5 through chapter 7 in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is preaching this great sermon. And the introduction of the sermon is commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. And Jesus gives us these, these countercultural values that ought to characterize kingdom citizens or followers of Christ. And he says that these values are present in your life, if you are living out these realities, there is blessedness attached to it. So I've given you a one-sentence summary of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are characteristics of kingdom citizens... That lead to true fulfillment in life. And this morning we see where Jesus says, "Blessed are the peacemakers." Now again, I've said this often. These beatitudes are counterintuitive. They're countercultural. They go against the grain of our natural humanity. In our humanity, when we are hurt, we strike back, don't we? we? We clamor for our way in this world. And yet Jesus says, blessedness comes, true fulfillment in life comes when you lead out in the area of peace. Now I want to just talk to you just for a moment about how the word peace is used throughout the Word of God. In the Old Testament, the the Hebrew word is shalom. In the New Testament, the the Greek word is irene, translated peace. And and how is this word used throughout Scripture? Well, at least in three different ways. First of all, the word peace is used in the Bible to speak of an absence of conflict, an absence of conflict, peace instead of peace. War, peace instead of battle or conflict. For example, in 1 Chronicles 22, 9, the Lord is speaking to David about his son Solomon. He says, Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all the surrounding enemies. He won't be at war like you were, David. And he says, His name shall be Solomon. I will give peace... And quiet to Israel all his days. So, the peace there that Solomon would enjoy is an absence of conflict. There will not be battles and wars during Solomon's reign. And that's one of the ways the word peace is used. So, if you have two two opposing uh, people that are in conflict, when they cease that conflict, they are experiencing what? Peace. There's a second way this word peace is used. It speaks of a reconciled relationship. Similar idea, a reconciled relationship. Over in 1 Thessalonians 5.13, the Apostle Paul says, Be at peace among yourselves. And so we ought to seek peace in our relationships with one another. And this idea of peace in our relationships is built upon peace in our ultimate relationship with God. For in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says that having been justified by faith, if you are saved by faith in Jesus, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Romans 5 goes on to say that in our rebellion against God, in our sin against a holy God, we, we set ourselves in opposition to God. We are, in fact, apart from Jesus, enemies of God, but God sent His Son to shed His blood, and when you place your faith in Christ and His finished work, His shed blood is applied to your life, your sins are washed away, and you are brought into a relationship with God whereby you can call Him Father, and then you have peace. It's a, it's an, a reconciled relationship. That's how that word peace is used often throughout the Scriptures. Third, Peace refers to a state of serenity and wholeness. Who doesn't want serenity and wholeness in their life? That's the major idea of the Hebrew word shalom. Over in Numbers 6, verse 26, we see the blessing of Aaron, the, the, the blessing he would pronounce upon the people of God. And part of that prayer says this, The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, And give you peace. May God cause his face to shine upon you. May may God pour out blessing and favor upon you so you can experience a state of serenity and wholeness. Peace. So that's how that word is used throughout the Scripture. So... To be a peacemaker means that we promote those three things. Jesus is basically saying, Blessed are those who make peace, who work for peace, who strive for peace. They're working and striving for an absence of conflict. They're working and striving for reconciled relationships. They're working and striving so that people might experience serenity and wholeness. That's what Christians ought to be about. Peace makers. And notice it doesn't say, blessed are the peace loving. Jesus is talking about folks that do something that actually takes steps to promote peace. Over in Romans 14, 19, the Bible says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Now, why is this such a big deal? Why should... Should a a striving for peace be on the forefront of our minds and our hearts? Here's the reason. Peacemaking is vital because it reflects the heart of God. If we as followers of Jesus want to show a watching world what Jesus is all about, then we will lead out in the area of peace. Notice it says there, In verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for what's it say? They shall be called sons of God. In other words, when we are all about peacemaking, we are reflecting the heart of our Father. We're showing people what sons of God are all about. This is a characteristic of kingdom citizens. Now, I want to show you this and how peace reflects the heart of God in just a couple different passages. But notice in this passage, in in the Beatitudes, chapter 5, verse 9, peacemakers is an adjective. The verb form of this same word is found over in Colossians chapter 1, in verses 19 and 20. Let me read those scriptures for you. In Colossians 1, it says, For in him, in Christ... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God sent His Son, Jesus, who took on humanity, fully God, fully man. He came to this earth to die on the cross in our place. And it says, through Him, here was the Father's intention, His purpose, through Him, through Christ, He wanted to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, listen, making peace by the blood of His cross. That's the verb form of the same word found in Matthew 5, verse 9. In other words, God sent his Son to reconcile lost sinners to himself, to give us peace with God. So the Bible is clear. The cross makes it, makes it very plain. God is a peacemaker. That's what he's about. So if we want to reflect his heart will be about peacemaking too. Instead of the compound word making peace found there in Colossians, there are two words used, the two words are taken apart, and they're used to communicate the same idea in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read to you Ephesians 2, 13 through 16. The Bible says, But now in Christ Jesus you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's talking to Gentiles there. So there was a time you were far away from God, strangers to the covenants of God. But in Christ, God has made a way for you Gentiles to be saved, just like Jews can be saved through Christ. He is saving Jews and Gentiles. In verse 14, He Himself, Jesus, is our peace, who made us both one, Jews and Gentiles, into one. That's called the church. And has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man, that's the church, in place of the two, Jews and Gentiles. So it says in verse 15, making peace. Jesus came to reconcile us to Himself so we could have a relationship with God and call Him Father. Jesus also came to reconcile people from very different backgrounds into one body, the church. He came to bring us together. That's why the church is so beautiful. I've been all over this world and met Christians all over this world. Different ethnicities, different languages, different skin colors, different cultures, different backgrounds. But in Christ, we're one. Through His Son, God has brought us to a place of peace, reconciliation with each other in the church. So I think it's clear God's about peace. He provided through His Son peace with Himself and provided peace between people in the bond of Christ. And if we're Christians, if we're followers of Jesus, we are sons of God. And we want to reflect this peace to a world in desperate need of peace. Now, practically, how does that look? What what are some ways that you and I should seek or strive to be peacemakers? Because, again, back in Matthew, the word is not peace lovers. Amen? Peacemakers. So so how can you and I be peacemakers? Number one, I'm going to give you three answers and we'll be through. The the rest of that, all that I've just said thus, thus far, that was introduction. All right. I'll go fast. All right. Number one. We should strive to live at peace with others. We should strive to live at peace with others. Do you know that the Bible describes our life before Christ as being a a life that's selfish and divisive and filled with enmity? Listen to what it says in Titus chapter 3 verse 3. For we ourselves, before Christ, we were once foolish. Can I get an amen? Disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Listen, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. The Bible says that's a pretty good snapshot of what your life was like before Christ. It was all about you. My life before I met Christ, all about me. And if somebody came against me and my, my self-interest were threatened, my natural response is malice, envy, anger. Anger. That's what it's like to not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. To not have the the command of Jesus over your life as you follow him as Lord. Divisiveness characterized our lives before we met Christ. So the point of Titus and the point of what Jesus is saying is this. If you're not being a peacemaker, you're acting like a lost person. That's not how lost people act. Lost people are malicious and all about self-interest. The Bible says Christians should lead out in peace. So let me go a little bit more simple and clear. It's hard to be a peacemaker... If you are the problem. If you find yourself in your circles of relationships and you have a problem with everybody, I just want you to consider for a moment, you might be the problem. You say, wait, is, are you being biblical right now? I am because listen what it says in Hebrews 12:14 and Romans 12:18. Hebrews says, "Strive for peace with everyone." And Romans 12:18 says, "If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all." Now there are situations where people are unreasonable and they're not going to reciprocate your attempts at peace and kindness and love, and gentleness. You can't control them. But you can control your response. You can control your demeanor. You can control your attitude. You can control your words. As as far as it depends upon you, the Bible says, live at peace with everyone. In other words, don't be the reason there's conflict As far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. There's a great example of this over in Genesis chapter 13. It's the story of Abraham and Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew. and That part of the story calls Abraham Abram. And Lot was busy raising cattle and livestock. Abram had his household raising livestock. And they were so blessed by God that there, there can begin to be a dispute between the workers for land. Abram's livestock holdings were growing. Lot's of livestock Holdings were growing. Their workers out in the field were vying for more territory, and there was even quarrels happening among Abram's workers and Lot's workers. And remember, Abram and Lot were they were they were family. How many of you know you can get into conflict with family? Raise your hand. Anybody know that? Is that a... So what happens? Abram comes to Lot. Listen, he initiates the conversation. He comes to Lot and says, listen, we don't need to fuss and quarrel. God is blessed. There's there's plenty of land. Lot, you choose where you want to go. Abram humbles himself. He gives the nephew the first choice. You choose where you want to go. And Lot chose. And then Abraham made sure that He would not impose upon the area that Lot chose and there was peace secured in that situation. But remember, Abram took the initiative and Abram humbled himself. And that's when peace came. If you find yourself in conflict, there's a a lack of peace in, in some relationship in your life. By the power of the Holy Spirit, with the gentleness of Christ filling up your heart and overflowing, maybe you need to take the initiative and humble yourself and do everything you can do to promote peace. I can't tell you how the other person is going to respond. But the Bible says, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace With all. So, number one, we should strive to live at peace with others. If we're going to be peacemakers, we need to give attention to our relationships first, right? Number two, very quickly, we should strive to make peace between others. We should strive to make peace with others. Blessed are the peacemakers. So when we see conflict between two opposing parties Christians Christians should say my father is a peacemaker he's about peace and I, I want to reflect his heart to the world. So I'm going to try to involve myself in such a way with God's wisdom, God's strength, God's perspective, biblical guidance. I'm going to try to involve myself in such a way that I can bring these two parties together. I can help bring peace. Peace. I mean, think about this, the implications, the applications. Again, in your workplace, in your family, in your other spheres of influence, what if you and what if I, what if we were known as peacemakers? That's just what we do. We we strive for, we lead out in peace. We're not trying to disrupt harmony and stir up trouble. We're trying to bring folks together. What if that was the disposition of our lives? James 3.18 says this, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You want to see things go right in your family, on the job, in your church, your community? You want to see things go right? The Bible says, make peace. And you'll experience a harvest of righteousness. I wonder even if right now the Holy Spirit has has lifted up to the surface of your heart some particular area in which you have the opportunity to be a peacemaker. Number three, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? It means that we should strive to live at peace with others, We should strive to make peace between others. But third, we should strive to help people find peace with God. The ultimate peace is peace with God that lost sinners can enjoy in a relationship with God. And so if we're about peace, certainly we want others to experience that kind of peace. Because here's the deal, and I want you to hear me carefully. For those that do not know Jesus, those who are lost and far from God, there is no peace. The Bible says in Isaiah 48, 22 and Isaiah 57, 21, there is no peace for the wicked. Period. Apart from Christ, lost in your sins, far from God, there is no Peace. Bible says. And so we as Christians have the immense opportunity and privilege of helping people experience that peace as we share the good news about Christ and his finished work so they can be saved and reconciled to God and experience the peace of God. That's what it says in St. Corinthians. Listen to what it says in St. Corinthians 5, 17-20. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Aren't you glad of that? If, you are, if, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you are a brand new person. The old has passed away. You are new. Amen? But it comes with some responsibility. All this is from God, who through Christ, listen, reconciled us to himself... And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We've been reconciled. We have peace with God now. We have a ministry to help others be reconciled to God. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us, entrusting to us, his followers, the the message of reconciliation. That's the gospel. Therefore, verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So as believers in Jesus, we have the privilege of being ambassadors for Jesus. And we share this good news that if you will embrace Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can be reconciled to a holy God and have a personal relationship with Him. You can experience peace with God. Wow. We get to share that with others. the bible tells us how you and i can have beautiful feet over in isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 quoted in romans chapter 10 the bible says how beautiful upon the mountains of the uh, on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news listen who publishes peace You want to have beautiful feet? Let your feet take you into someone else's life. And share with them how they can experience the peace of God. And the Bible says, your feet will be beautiful feet. I love the way Warren Wiersbe says it. He wrote that our goal is to become peacemakers in a troubled world and channels, I love this, channels for God's mercy, purity, and peace. That's what Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes. That we become Channels. For God's mercy and purity and peace. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Not peace lovers, peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. As I said at the beginning of my sermon, our world is in desperate need of peace. And you and I have the marching orders from King Jesus that when we leave this room this morning and go out into our lives, we bear the responsibility of striving for and promoting.